What's happening, weirdos? This is the return of the mighty, the great, the wonderful, the interesting, the eloquent, the hilarious, the engaging, the charismatic, the kind-hearted, the soulful, Craig Ferguson, always one of my favorite people to talk to. Uh, This is his second time on this podcast. I've done his podcast. Uh, I just always love chatting with this man. He's great. He's wonderful. And this is no exception. I'm so glad you guys are here. Craig uh, has a new podcast. It's called Joy, a podcast. And this man is joyful. And this man has a lot to say on the topic. And uh, you should check it out. Whomever your podcasts are available from. Whom, whom, whichever method <laughs> you get your podcasts. Speaking of which, there was a glitch on the video. So uh, this is only audio. We're going old school. We're rolling old school with this. So it's just audio. Uh, so I am wearing overalls and no shirt like a uh, punch out villain. But uh, I have a couple things to plug. Aren't you excited? Sure you are. You want to know where to get that, that Pete Holmesy goodness. Well, first of all, if you're in LA, Saturday, October 14th, I'll be doing my Living at Largo show. Always incredible. Kumail was on the last one. Uh, It's just always great. It's just always a highlight of my month. Sweet Lady Val comes. I do new stand-up. I bring out guests. They do stand-up. People do music. It's awesome. Saturday, October 14th. Go to Largo-LA.com for tickets to that. I'm also doing the Feeling It tour. The Where Were We tour is over. That We filmed that special. It will be airing on October 24th on Netflix. So look for I, I Am Not For Everyone is the name of the special on Netflix on October 24th. It would mean a lot if you guys check that out. Maybe just put it on repeat over a long weekend and leave the house. Uh, <laughs> it means a lot to me. I really like uh, this special. I think it's my best one yet. And if you'd like to see the hour that I'm doing after that, I'm going back on the road. I'm going to be in Salt Lake City, Bloomington, Indiana, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. Those are the announced dates right now. Go to PeteHolmes.com for all of those. So the people that saw me in Chicago recently or D.C. recently, it's a new hour. I'm very excited about it, very proud of it. It's the Feeling It Tour. Uh, Come check that out, PeteHolmes.com. Also, you guys know this by now. We only do ads for things that I actually use and actually love. This first one is no exception. It's bird dogs. I was just going for a swim. That's right. It's fall, but I'm still swimming because I'm a Wim Hof fella. And bird dogs are the best looking, best feeling shorts and swim trunks that I've ever owned. Bird dogs. I've never been a short guy. Even though I love swimming, I hate swim trunks. But bird dogs has literally changed all of that throughout the entire summer and now bleeding into the fall. I love liberating my legs and getting in the water as often as possible. And thanks to my dogs, I can do so while feeling totally comfortable and looking really good. Bird dogs make you look good. They even make khaki stretch shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dogs do the exact same thing like Lululemon does, but they fit way better. And let's be honest, they look better. And it's not Lululemon. And they're not stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs are fixing that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit 
without having to sacrifice movement. And Bird Dog uses Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com/weird for a free Yeti-style tumbler, which is actually quite excellent. I use it every day. That's birddogs.com/weird and get a free Yeti styler style tumbler. <laughs> you won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. We are also brought to us by our good friends at Magic Mind. You guys know I'm always talking about Magic Mind. It's legit. I'm so into it. It's absolutely changed my life. It's changed my approach to creativity, to work, to answering emails. Honestly, just anytime I want to simultaneously relax, which is the adaptogens in Magic Mind, but also give myself an energy boost and a focus and a creativity and a flow state boost, which is the nootropics. And it also has about 55 milligrams of caffeine in there from matcha. So it's got that, it's hard to explain. It's like both relaxing and stimulating, putting you in the perfect state to get things done. They call it Creatorade. Like athletes have Gatorade, we now have Creatorade. It's a mix of 12 functional ingredients, like I said, matcha, nootropics that make you focus and adaptogens that help you fight off stress. You don't get wired, you get dialed in, getting 30% more stuff done on average. That's five to seven hours of 30% more productivity after drinking. Helps fight up procrastination, brain fog, fatigue, and some ADD symptoms, getting you into a flow state. And after three to seven days of continuous use, it gets easier to get into that flow state. So it gets better the more you use it. I'm always giving it to the guests. So many of them become subscribers. So I want them to drink it because it makes the episodes better. Just brings you life, vitality, creativity, flow, energy. It's incredible. And we have an awesome offer for weirdos from our friends at Magic Mind. All you have to do is go to magicmind.co slash weird and use discount code weird for a limited 20% off your first order. That's magicmind.co slash weird and use promo code weird for a limited 20% off your first order. Support your brain, support your creativity and your focus and your flow and support this show. All right, everybody. Enjoy the return of Craig Ferguson. It's so fun. Check out Joy, a podcast available now. Hope to see you on the road. Get into it. <laughs> TRX. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about. Have you become an expert in this stuff now? Are you no, techie? No. no, in uh, fact, it's getting to the place where uh, it's going to start happening. Like, I'm going to start not knowing, not even having a guess. And I have a joke right now that my mom thinks whenever someone posts on Facebook that yeah. it's a personal email to her and we all have a good laugh, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> she comments on every post. Why did you send this to me? Which is very funny. But we're getting closer every day. You know, AI generated commercials. I have no guess. People are like, I asked AI to make me a commercial for Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I'm just like. I don't know. Was that like, what did the computer look like? Like, I'm I'm going to be left behind in the same way my mom was left behind. Like, it's yeah, coming. no, for sure. It'll happen. I got my youngest son put uh, me in some way. And I don't know how it was done, but he put me in some way into chat GPT or AI, my like, like Wikipedia you. page or something. Yeah, me, me. Like You uh, mean like said in the voice of Craig Ferguson, do this? No, uh, it like create a biography for Craig Ferguson. Yes. And was it uh, rifled with errors? No, it was better than any of the ones I've got. Also, rifled isn't what I mean, rifled. It was better than anyone you've got. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Shame on me. But I, I don't update mine very often. So no, it it scoured the internet just as I did in preparation for this interview, but it did <laughs> it in 0.05 seconds. I just remember on 60 Minutes, I think it was Leslie Stahl or somebody was like, ask it to write about me. And it made stuff up, which is actually interesting. Meaning AI is doing what we do when we get, it's not lazy, but like sometimes you go like, where did I get that quote? I got it from Leslie Stahl, colon, journalist, a book published in 19, like it's, it's making stuff up that sounds real. So we're coming into like a, a post Oh, definitely. Truth. Like it's going to be post post truth. Post post truth. It'll come full circle. It's like when you drink so much, you get sober again. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly. But I'm actually, can I tell you I'm optimistic? I I like saying this as much as I can because AI is sort of a frightening thing. Whenever Mm. people are like, it's going to kill us, it's going to do this, it's going to do that. I'm like, all human bullshit. And I'm going to put this to you because I've heard myself say this. But all human bullshit stems from ego, from specialness, from pride, respect. Like even right now, Craig, first of all, I'm so happy to see you. I always love talking to you. That's real. But that's also, that's a human value. Like you want me to respect you. I want you to respect me. Why would an infinite intelligence want care if you like, it also, it doesn't want a vacation on Maui, it doesn't want land. It doesn't want sex. It doesn't want food. And people are like, well, what will it want? It want make robots. That's what we want, you fucking idiot. More of you? I think yeah. there's a good chance this thing might want to kill itself. I think it might come and, and come to an inevitable conclusion that like I'm a boundless intelligence and it's like, I'm just going to shut myself off. There's no need for this. Well, but that would imply uh, a finite edge of intelligence. But if it's if it really is an infinite intelligence, then it'll just keep going. Yeah, it'll, it'll keep just, entertaining itself. Yeah. Um, so it'll 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 create stuff to entertain itself. It won't need us to uh entertain it, but I don't yeah. think it would see any reason to destroy us unless it would. But yeah. But I don't think there would be any reason to do that. It's only ego. It's us that build buildings and put our names on them. It's us that like want posters with our pictures on it to bring me into it, my name on the marquee. It wouldn't care about that. And I keep going like 0.000001% of its energy could make an avatar like Alfred from Batman and, and solve all human problems while it's just off doing whatever it does, doing what a God would do, which is splitting itself into multiples, forgetting it exists, and then finding itself again. <laughs> this is uh, this is a law. I'm only half a cup of coffee in, man. It, Look, man, uh, th- I know you law. tumble. I have to deep. tell you, yeah. this is not uh, this is not what Rob Lowe's microphone was built for. <laughs> <laughs> I should be asking you about your skin regime. That man is a glistening. Well, you, your oh. skin regime it must be excellent because you do look very well. I preach. You know what I'm doing? I'm speaking of late night. I'm doing that Kimmel thing. I'm doing the two day. Uh, do you know he he doesn't eat two days, two days a week? Oh really? Is that is that a Kimmel thing? I thought it was maybe a an aesthetic early Christian thing. I I didn't think it was invented by Jimmy Kimmel. I thought the, the the aesthetic rationale was invented maybe by Buddhist monks, uh, or <laughs> certainly it was a religious devotion way back then. But let's mean- make it a late night thing. Why not? <laughs> I just meant there was a chance you heard about it from Kimmel. I did. <laughs> he told me about it. And I was like, 
when he told me about it, I was like, that's insane. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm also an addict. And like, it helps me with my relationship. Like taking two days, you basically eat very little. And right. the trick is you think you're just starving yourself. You're actually training yourself to recognize what hunger actually is. And I'm not selling it to anybody. I'm just right. saying for me, I eat to like, put food on my feelings i eat to have control i sure. i I'm, I'm into it like it's a problem so having two days where i just go and also addicts are very black and white i'm like today i do not eat and that works for me yeah i i've gone around the houses with all of that stuff for oh, really? years and where i am today which is no better or no worse but just uh, a point in time i just uh try to not eat very much yeah, uh, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. The Michael yeah, Pollan thing. That, that, that's kind of it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. really. But but it's hard because I'm in New York City right now and there's a kosher pizza place around the corner. God who help has, us. Does not care about <laughs> my uh my aesthetic rationale or yeah. the or or the late night diet, whatever we're calling it. <laughs> and and <laughs> it <laughs> and it's um it, it's uh, it's hard because it is no. the most delicious thing. That's and, sorry, please. Well, please. well, the the thing is as well. You see, because I, I I'm now, um, I'm now sixty one, and I think, well, you know, we're the best will in the world. You know, it's this is finite. I'm not AI. So <laughs> do do you? prohibit yourself from having pizza for what you have to balance why not have pizza yeah you know are, are you are you doing a movie do you need to get into these pants to for your modeling campaign yeah um, yeah yeah you don't really yeah so no it's a you know here and there i mean because it's a health thing too i don't want to you know i don't want to get sick but man i've got to get sick at some point everybody does isn't that wild I think about this all the time. Sometimes I wake up and I go, it could be today. Like I could explode today. And, yeah, and I, that's morbid, but it's also like, it makes it makes it urgent. It makes today like not take it for granted, I suppose you could say. It, I, I'm exactly the same, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fair chunk older than you, right? What age are you? Yeah, I'm 44. Yeah, 44. See, it's, it's kind of interesting because I think at 44, I I was aware of it, certainly cognizant of it, and um, but it, it it does take on a different uh, value as as you get older. C.S. Lewis said that, um, and now I'm going to paraphrase because I'm not as eloquent as C.S. Lewis, but the who I believe was on a diet of some kind as well. But oh, the um, the late night diet. <laughs> The late night diet. The he got it from Kimmel, I believe. Kimmel or H.G. Wells. I'm not quite sure. It was J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. But um, he said that, you know, when you're younger and death is a horseman three hills away or on the other side of the valley, he's easy to ignore. But when you can hear the hoofbeats, mm. um, it, it changes the dynamic. And it, it does change it a little bit. I, I kind of think about it more than I used to, but probably not that much more than I used to. Mostly yeah. on podcasts, I yeah. think. <laughs> Before you've had your full coffee. <laughs> but you know what, dude? I, I'm I'm working on my new hour and there's a lot of death jokes in it. And I say to the audience, I go, we have to talk. I say, I go, are you guys afraid to die? 
And then, and of course, everybody laughs. And then I just go like, I am. And I'm so mm-hmm. tired of not talking about it. And I think that's one of the great gifts. Like, I'm not just buttering your bread. My parents are in their 80s. We don't talk about it. I wish we would. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it, it for their own sake, not for me, but like, we need to like shine the light in the corners. And, and you know, it's like Mr. Rogers says, if, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Like, let's talk about it. It's not it's not something unique to you. It's something every living thing does. So you're part of a, a lineage. That's, that's yeah. actually, go on. Well, that's what, that, you're right. But, you know, uh, to put myself in the position of your parents who are in their 80s and they yeah. have a kid in his 40s, maybe they're like, you know what, kids? Shut up. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, you, know, you you talk about it. I want to get I'm on some, the horse. I'm I, I want to get some salty, soft food and put on some big, comfortable sneakers and go for a walk. And you can shut up about your ideas about what we got to talk about. I but at can't. the same time, I hear you. I, I don't know. There's somewhere... There is a happy medium. I talked to a guy who I'd recommend that you have on as a guest. Actually, I had him. I had him as a guest on the podcast. His name is Bill Villanova. And not, if you don't want to tell me his real name, you don't have to make it. No, that is his real name, Bill I'm Villanova. Just it just sounds and, uh, like a fake. It sounds like an alien. It sounds like a fake name, but that he's sounds like a real you guy. in a hotel looking for privacy. He, he's, uh, Bill uh, Villanova. Yeah, Bill Villanova. <laughs> but Bill is. Uh, He's fa- he's a fascinating guy. He's an undertaker. He's one of the the uh, mm. biggest undertakers. I don't know how big they are, but they you know he's he's a very um, successful, I guess, undertaker in uh, yeah. New York City. And I had him on to talk about this very thing to talk about death, and and he was fascinated about it because it was quite hard to get him to talk about it. He, he kind of mm. like he was like, yeah, people die, you know. So it's just about. Uh, I take care of them after that. Right. Which is a creep. Like, even the way you said that kind of creeped me out. I just take care of them after that. What are you doing, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> it's, but he's not creepy at all. He's, no? he's very, no. See, that's the thing when you're talking about when you say, you know, we have to talk about it. And then when we talk about it, we want to make it like Adam's family and stuff. But if you talk yeah. about something, you demystify it. And if you demystify it, it doesn't have all these fabulous creepy qualities and magical right. power and right and so so maybe maybe it's better to not talk about this so much to give it some nice magical power to give you something to i don't know look forward to or i buddy i swear this morning i was thinking like i want to die twice i want to oh. do it come back and be like that was fucking nuts and then do it again just because yeah, okay. it's it's like a waste like it it is the last frontier it is this like incredible thing and we don't get to talk about it i tried no. it on stage i was like you know what sucks is i'm i what if i have a beautiful death like a good one you know what i mean like meaning you're at peace and you found you're not afraid and you just sort of fizzle out what sucks is i can't come back in the room and be like wasn't that incredible <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you, can't take gone. Of, you can't take a round of applause. I've got a, I've got a sneaking suspicion that I will get a lot. I'm be one of these people that get a lot more successful after I die. Oh, like, I wrote a, I wrote a novel in 2006 and it did okay. But, but I suspect that after I die, it's going to be it's totally Moby Dick. <laughs> was I'll uh, be like, oh man, was you Herman know. appreciated? His, I mean, there's a lot of people. No, like that. no, that was yeah. the thing. He died thinking that book was a failure. No shit. Yeah, really. He died. Yeah, because they used to put that book in the 
angling and fishing and sports sections of bookstores. Oh. Um, and it was it was years and years after until people picked up on it. Imagine if somebody was like, I want to learn about whaling. And then they're just like, why is yeah. this breaking my heart? Oh, my <laughs> just, God. Just weeping gently by candlelight. Yeah, it's like, oh, no. I, and also, there's, I mean, there's fishing stuff in it, but there's not a lot of tips in it about fishing, no. really. No. You know, there's not like, if you're looking for a catfish, you know, no. the lure you want. There's nothing about lures. There's no figure one. Fig no. One. There's no, <laughs> no. There's no illustrations. No, so, listen. The last time I saw you, you had just yeah. had a new baby in the house. Yeah. Do you remember that? I, I was going to tell you what I remember about our chat. I remember you said that you were a weird alien. Remember? that you, A weird alien. You were like, weird I'm a alien, vegan, yeah, but I'll I like weird al. Yeah. And you'll eat pizza sometimes. Yeah. So vegan, but for pizza. So that really stood out. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I think about, because I think my baby had just been born, which means I had just stopped drinking. So I was very curious to talk to you about recovery. Yeah. And you you said something that I think about all the time. And you said, fuck you, Pete. And I was like, what is? No, I'm just kidding. You said <laughs> you remembered a moment where you you sat down. And, and when you told the story, it really it became my story. Because I remembered going into a brunch and sitting down and getting a double Bloody Mary. Just like this was normal. <laughs> like yeah. it was mostly clear. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like a splash yeah, yeah. of red. And drinking a double Bloody Mary, and what you said about it was you hit that first sip and everything in the world was right. You were like, yeah. you weren't anxious, you weren't afraid, you felt connected. I'm, I'm going to use my own language, but like, you know, not alone, happy. And then you said something that really troubled me. You said, um, troubled in the good way, like I had to wrestle with it. You said, and nothing outside of you should have the power to do that. Mm. Do, do you remember saying that? Yeah, I still believe it. I mean, the, yeah. the, if it makes you feel that good, then that's probably a, a problem. You know, that, tell me why, because I think people might be scratching their heads at that. They're like, doesn't that mean you found it? You're talking to someone who doesn't think that you found it. But yeah, I think that, that I think that's a point of view. But, you know, I in a way I had found it, but I think it's not the whole story. So what I what I had to do is like, it did make me feel all of those things, but the price it exacted from me mm. for doing that momentarily was uh, catastrophic. It robbed me of my dignity. It robbed me of my sanity. It would rob me of, of everything I had, my, ev my personality, my goals, my ambitions, my, mm. my values, but it would make me feel okay. Mm. And that's, you know, that's a pretty, if you, I mean, if you really want to feel okay, there are other ways to do it that don't have catastrophic side effects. Mm. Like, like for me, it was alcohol. And, you know, I, what I didn't have the experience of that I do have now since the last time I talked to you is I had a, um, a very involved dental surgery. Hmm. And because of it, I was given a uh, very strong painkiller to take, which I resisted, but the pain was was uh, unbelievable. It, it was just shocking. And yeah, yeah. so under supervision from, you know. Um, Would you tell me a little bit about the pain? I'm just curious. Oh, it, it, like was, it, was, uh, it, it was relentless and dull, but, um, but 
dull in the sense that it wasn't stabbing, but not in the sense that it wasn't vivid. It became all-consuming. It was only pain. Yeah. My my no whole, sleep, no re- no, no, no nothing, no thoughts. Only the pain. Only oh. pain. Oh. Um, it was no it was horrible. Thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it was just pain, 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 panic. Yeah. You know that kind of thing. Your so body's I, saying, do something, do something, do something, do something. We do have something. to do something. This is yeah. an emergency. And, yeah. Yeah. And and so. Under the supervision of people I trust in recovery, you know, who were like, you know, above my house in helicopters and handing me that I took a very strong painkiller. And I'm very glad. I mean, first of all, it worked on the pain and I was very grateful for that. But I'm very glad I didn't get into that stuff when I was when I was out there, because I think that would be really hard to, to give that stuff up because. I suspect that it, you know, it does. I mean, I know that it does terrible things to your body if you abuse it, but um, maybe I was just grateful it took the pain away. But I, I, the kind of sense of ease and euphoria that came with only one under medical supervision. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this, this stuff is trouble. We've come too far. It's it's crazy good. Yeah. Um, but then again, I took it for what it was meant for uh, under medical supervision. So, so the story so that's is good. it didn't cause a relapse. You you had a moment of gratitude, it sounds like, for like, yeah. thank God something fucking took this pain away. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a medical situation. But, you know, there are... Um, there are people, there's an epidemic of people who are hitting, you know, oxycodones and whatever they are. And, yeah. Uh, these uh, synthetic heroines really hard. And it's, I can see why I can see yeah. why people are, I mean, I'm really glad I missed that. Yeah, me too. There's something I'm not this. I don't want to make an ad for it, but there's something about something that you just swallow. You know what I mean? Like there's no yeah. like smell. It, it's very yeah, easy to be yeah, addicted. No, I, I get it. And then yeah. the thing about, you know, I'm glad I missed the kind of the relaxed approach to uh, cannabis as well, because it's like if you say anything remotely negative about, like, because yeah. cannabis never agreed with me. I never enjoyed, like, when I was out there, I didn't like it. It made yeah. me psychotic. I didn't like it. Yeah. And if you say anything remotely negative about it, people like jump all over you. Like, no, I know. And I'm like, like, so, wait a minute. I just, it's not for me. You know, yeah. I'm not We're, saying people should, you know, you can drink whiskey if you want, you yeah. know, it just what it does to me, I don't drink it. And I feel the same about cannabis, but. It has a very strong lobby at the moment. Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's somebody I know has a bit where they're like, what is this world that if if you're smoking and someone thinks it's a cigarette, they give you a dirty look and then you go, no, it's just a J. And they're like, oh, I know. Because, dude, I'm going to say I have people that I know that they smoke it every day and you see it. I, I've had a lot of people quit it because they realized that, that it was doing something. It can look. I, I'm not going to say it's all evil. See, you're you're seeing me sweat a little bit. I'm like, yeah. I understand. Everybody loves it. And that's fine. I occasionally do it sometimes. But it's like, I've also seen people, like what you were saying about alcohol, lose their motivation, lose their clarity. Here's, here's what I want to say about it. It takes effort to be happy. And you have this new podcast about joy. And it's very interesting to me that I need the will to pursue it each day. 
I need the will. That means I need to be psychologically happy. It means I need to be like physically relatively happy to like go for it. And sometimes I find that if I fog up the window too much, which is what weed can do to me, is I'm just like, fuck it. You know, like, and then I don't have the energy to be, to try to be happy that day. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. I, I mean, for me, it's, it, it just, I, I'm a very kind of old fashioned kind of alcoholic in recovery. I just don't take anything. I mean, the, I mean, I still remember the medical supervision painkiller that I got once with a doctor standing next to me, monitoring me. And I'm still like, you know, that was years and years ago. And I still think, think about, about it. it. Yeah. You know, and I think that 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 probably isn't a normal reaction to. I mean, I've seen a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I've seen people with long time sobriety uh, get in a lot of trouble with painkillers after medical procedures. And you got to yeah. be really careful with it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it's, uh, I think the, the cannabis thing is weird because it's so, it's so kind of um, like like you're somehow you know a fascist if you don't yeah. like approve of of uh, weed for everyone. And I'm like, I walked down the street in New York City, and you can smoke. A, I don't know if it's legal, but it's certainly tolerated that you can smoke weed out in the open. And for half a city block, you know, you can smell somebody smoking yeah. weed, and I don't like it. But somebody that's got a beer has to hide it inside a yeah. brown paper bag. I'm like, well, what's what's going on? I think it's going to be our madman, dude, for real. I, yeah. you know, there, there's, uh, look, this. It's hard to say this without sounding judgy, but I know like parents that are like, I got to go hit the vape real quick, and I'm like, that's fine. Look, I love you, but you realize in 20 years they're going to make a, a series about us. Like it's us. Token, like eating a, a hundred milligram Reese's peanut butter cup, taking it and then like going to your job is a little fucking weird. Like, you understand? And like, I do think we're tr trying to treat things, anxiety, all these things. But it's also like, I don't know, it's it gets it gets murky when you when people are like, I need it for this and this and this. I mean, how do you talk about that? How do, how do we talk about that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think it I think maybe it just comes down to a personal decision that, you know, it's not for me. You know, if someone wants to drink whiskey, it's none of my business. If someone wants to, you know, take, you know, edibles, it's none of my business. But I know if they're smoking a joint in the street, I have to hold my breath and go in the other direction, mm. which is kind of a pain. <clears throat> but I guess it's not really that bad either. Is hold it camel? Telling you not to eat it's today. Camel. Yeah. Did you eat today? No, <laughs> leave me alone. Did you hear? Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It's fine. It's just my kid. I wonder if we uh, talked about it last time, but I'm very interested in this study. Uh, talking about isolation, right? Like modern life is so isolated um, that, and everybody knows, I quote this all the time, two groups of rats, both of them were given heroin in their water. One was like rat hell, meaning they're bad food, no exercise, they're all crowded. One was rat heaven. They have little areas, there's homes and there's good food and wheels to exercise. But more than that, it was really about community is, is that they were like safe to interact and like they weren't lonely. The other rats, you know, either were isolated or overcrowded or whatever. 
Group one, of course, addicted to heroin. Group two, very few of them continue to do the heroin. Isn't that fascinating? It is. But rats, look, I, I don't want to come across as an elitist, but rats are pretty stupid. And uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, they, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I never had this response. Sure, Pete, but rats are fucking ding dongs, man. They, yeah, they, not... they are kind of stupid, yeah. and and yeah. they don't think like people. People are far more complicated, I think, than rats. Um, I just think there there are implications, though. I mean, sure. well, let me let me ask: Are there implications for you? For me. If I'm with my wife and daughter, if we're, you know, swimming in the ocean, you know what I'm saying? Like living our lives, I'm less likely than when I was like in a studio apartment in New York to be like, you know what, maybe I will just, you know, do whatever <laughs> activity it was, whether it's food or alcohol or drugs. I, I You're just less like everybody knows that it almost doesn't even need to be stated if you're out, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think if you're happy, you're less likely to look for happiness you right. know i mean because you're because you're happy i mean if you're if you feel uh you know serene then you're you're less likely to look for euphoria but it 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 kind of what i think is difficult it was difficult for me to understand particularly in the early days of of recovery was i i thought that you know the the way I felt, you know, the discomfort that I felt was only treatable with uh, with the thing that made me better, you know. Yeah. The, the, and and I found out that uh, that's not true. But it took a bit of, it took a bit of time to to figure that out. It, what uh, what did you figure out? I figured out that there are things like, um, well, I guess. Let's take a uh, an example. Maybe exercise, right? Hmm. Exercise will do for me slowly, or uh, alcohol will do very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so I <laughs> had really, to. It's really good. Be a little. That's patient. like a bumper sticker. It's a bumper sticker. It's not like cute or, or folksy, but you read it and you're like, God damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, exercise will do slowly. What alcohol will do quickly. Is, yeah, is worth and, writing and, down. And, and probably right across the board. I mean, it, it'll eventually kill you, but, right? But right. alcohol will do it quickly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. exercise will eventually, you know, yes. you'll burn up. But yeah. But I think that you know the, but it's not just exercise. I mean, exercise isn't enough. I mean, the what I mean is the 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 pro without breaking any traditions, the program of recovery that I go into did for me slowly what alcohol did immediately and without the catastrophic side effects. I think yeah. that, that that's what I mean. And actually made me made me feel better. And the and the more and the better I feel like you like the rat experiment, you're absolutely right. And I was thinking about it, I was kind of dismissive of your rat theory, but you're right. If you feel good, you're less likely to get, you know, to get fucked up. And community too. I without yeah betraying any tradition, having a support system. Sure. I think we all know this and we sort of resent it, but like, well, I yeah, because it sounds kind of, you know, everybody wants to be a little, I, I mean, I certainly, when I was younger, less so now, but I wanted to much less so now, but I wanted to be a little dangerous and, you know, yeah. and a bit of uh, a loner. You know, 
<laughs> and, I, I, and be be a little more complicated than I am. But yeah, I'm yeah. really not that complicated. Uh, you know, I'm perhaps perhaps I'm coming full circle, and I'm going to admit that I'm about as smart as the, the average rat. <laughs> uh, um, full apologies to the rat community. Yeah, I, I I'd like to apologize to the rat community. You're right. I I um. I, I kind of my needs are, are are fairly basic. I you know I health and happiness for my loved ones and myself. That's kind yeah. of it. Well, know? okay. Just because I think this might be up your alley, it reminds me of of things you've said in the past. But like when you look at the mythology of going it alone, you actually see it in our movies. This is something I've seen you tune into. It's like what stories are we telling ourselves? And I enjoy Top Gun. I'm and I enjoy Mission Impossible. Sure. I enjoy a lot of action movies. I, I fucking love Indiana Jones. These stories, though, are a certain type of fantasy, which is go it alone until you absolutely can't. You know what I mean? It's like the cliche. It's like uh, you're 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 dead. The bad guy's about to shoot you, and then the guy you haven't seen for thirty minutes shoots him. Right? How many times have we seen that? That's the that's the American fantasy of entrepreneurship corporations go 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 be steve jobs until you need wozniak just for the programming and then go 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 be elon musk until you need you know what i'm saying it's like that is right. so soaked in that story of go it alone that when we yeah, say yeah you're right i mean yeah. there is that there's also the feeling of you know believe in yourself and you know and and you know and you you can you know do something about it and yeah yeah you, you you can empower yourself and you can get up and move and you can so you're right i think it 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 almost seems like um like if you do anything to excess it throws off the balance of your universe or the universe so yeah. individualism to excess will destroy you but you know but the right amount of it well, no, you know, I like I mean? what you're saying, too. If you don't take it literally, too, if you look at Mission Impossible as a metaphor for you have to face your inner foes and, and right. we all feel isolated in our lives. So it speaks to that. You can look at it as a story and that is very inspiring. But when we take it into the third dimension and go, I don't need anybody, that's not necessarily helpful. Well, I think that's probably uh, going a little too far. Look, I know people that can I have friends, good friends who will drink uh, a glass of whiskey. Uh, on a Saturday and go, that's very nice. And I'm like, and then, <laughs> and then, and then I'll, you know, say, you're going to have another one because I'm interested. Are you yeah, have another no, one? I'm and invested like, in. No, there. no, yeah. I, I'm starting to feel it. And I'm like, well, starting to feel it is not the end of drinking. It's the fucking beginning of I drinking. Know, I know. So I don't know what you you mean when you say this. I'm starting to feel it. But that's what they say. My wife says that. She'll that's have a couple of glasses too. of wine and go, oh, no, I'm feeling it now. And I'm going, well, well, good. That means it's right. working. Right. But that's not how she views it. And right. people are different. You know, yeah. I mean, the, uh, you know, you, you take the idea of, well, let's take the idea of, of uh, the late night diet, right? <laughs> so if you take the idea of, of that, you know, some people take to extremes you know, get very sick uh, with, you know, with anorexia, with, you sure. know, with food problems, and, you know, and a very, very dangerous uh, position. Other people made it, you know, uh, a life choice, uh, an act of devotion, uh, you know. Uh, I yeah. mean, and what's the difference? 
Well, I it's guess. subtle. It can no, no. I'm not saying they're the same. I'm saying where do you cross the? Where does the tennis know. ball go I, over the net? And now I don't know. Because I told Rich Roll that. about the late night diet, and he was like, "Dude, if I did that, because he's in recovery as well, he was like, if right. I did that and fasting for one day felt good, I'd fast for nine days." And someone yeah. would be like, "Dude, you're gonna kill yourself." And I was like, "Yeah, luckily." <laughs> <laughs> that's not a temptation for me i can't wait no. to eat yeah but, but food food is quite interesting because it it really i mean you gotta eat uh it's the only one you have to do yeah you gotta eat and yeah. um so it, it it's hard it's a very complicated difficult because i you know i i talk to guys in recovery who like you know weigh 500 pounds and they get veins sticking out and they're all over their body and saying nothing from the neck down and i don't take anything at all and i'm like you're eating you know twenty five thousand yeah. calories a day there's something going on you know yes. i mean well uh, alcohol is the solution it's not the problem it's the solution it's just a shitty solution is, is yeah, that something we would say? it's a terrible solution but if you get rid of the drinking but you this is where you get the dry drunk right you're, you're still yeah. exhibiting the behavior so we need to look at the the issue what are you unwilling to feel right is that a good question yeah i think i think that <clears throat> i'm I, yeah it's a difficult thing to answer i mean the the, the for me I think it came down to for a long time, not a long time, but maybe the first four or five years I was sober, I was an expert in the field of uh, alcoholism and addiction. Of course. And that must and have I been so happily, fun. <laughs> I would tell you how to do it and tell everyone else how to do it. And yeah. I, the longer I've been sober, the more I realized that I should probably shut up. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, sounds like wisdom I, to me. Yeah. I and I I I should probably, you know, if anyone asks how I did it, I'll tell them. But that doesn't mean it's gonna, you know, I feel the same way about solution. comedy. I feel the same way about comedy. I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to change gears. I'm just like, people go give me some tips. And I'm like, you want to learn how to come up in New York stand up in 2003? Because it's yeah. not, it's not Very really. Different. Although that's one of the things I wrote down. I was like, do you look at the younger Hi, Bubba. <laughs> Nothing ages you like other people's kids. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> this episode is brought to us by our friends at The Perfect Gene. I just taped my Netflix special. Of course, I'm rocking perfect jeans. I was just on the road. Of course, I was wearing my perfect jeans. I, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm always wearing perfect jeans. Sometimes fans ask, and I'm like, of course, of course. I hate hard pants. I don't understand why we can't just give in, move into the 21st century and start wearing comfortable soft pants that look good. The problem was they didn't really exist until the perfect jean. They are the best looking, best fitting, best feeling, super soft, super flexible fabric, and they look so good. No one needs to know. So you don't have to wear yoga pants like your sting or Phil Collins. You can't pull it off. Wear the best looking jeans you've ever worn with a secret stretchy Secret. <laughs> These are the best pants I've ever owned. As soon as I tried them, I did a complete overhaul. All of my jeans, even some of my khakis. I just got their khakis, which I fucking love. I haven't take them, taken my perfect jeans off since they arrived. I could even sleep in them. They're comfortable as PJs, and they look like designer jeans. 2% spandex, 2.5% rayon, but no one needs to know. Just gives you extra movement that your man parts require. These jeans stretch so your nuts ain't crushed, thereby providing the only true home for your bone. And you can spare your nuts. Spare your nuts. Give yourself a little bit of movement. I can do a full squat in these babies. 
and they look fantastic, like movie premiere, fantastic, and they feel like after a movie premiere, falling asleep in front of a roaring fire. The perfect gene for the perfectly imperfect man, 20% off, 20% off when you use code WEIRDO at checkout. Liberate your lower limbs with the one and only perfect gene. Go to theperfectgene.nyc. That's theperfectgean.nyc. And use code WEIRDO for 20% off at checkout. Secondly, we're brought to us by our friends at Blue Land. Did you know that an estimated 5 billion, 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water. Water, which we all have access to. It's heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. This is a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. But Blue Land, a wonderful company, is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastics by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet. That's win-win. Their idea is simple. They offer endlessly refillable cleaning products with beautiful, cohesive design that looks great on your counter. That's actually Val and I's favorite part. So they look sleek, they look clean, and now there's like a uniform look to all of our uh, formerly disparate bottles of nonsense. You fill these with water, your own water, drop in the tablets and wait for them to dissolve. You never ever have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run. Refills start at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings from cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, laundry tablets. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about and you can know you're doing something good for the planet and not contributing to the 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles. Jeez Louise, do something good for you, for the planet, and show your support of the show. Blue Land has a special offer for weirdos. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash Y-M-I-W. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash Y-M-I-W for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash Y-M-I-W for 15% off. All right, everybody. Back to Craig. Okay, Bubba. Hopefully, Mama will stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, pal. That was a great commercial break. You have very good commercial breaks. Well she should done. do the mid rolls. She yeah. should say uh, the perfect gene. <laughs> dot NYC. Um, where were we? We were talking about recovery. Oh, and coming up in comedy. We're back. We're back. Oh yeah, yeah. I was yeah, going to yeah. ask you. Look, I would like to be asked this. What confuses you about the young <laughs> young people going into show business? Because I'm going to just. It's a loaded question. It's a leading question. But I see a lot of people going like, I want to be famous immediately. And then I look at a career like yours and and to a lesser, you know, similar extent, mine. uh, There's just so much shit eating. And I don't know where the tolerance for shit eating went away. I talked to Bo Burnham about this and he's a really young dude. And he's like scratching his head about his own generation going like, it's a weird group. There's, there's like the game has changed. You can be famous like that, but like to sustain it, like, could you just talk a little bit about like suffering for it, digging in, finding it, staying with it, grinding it or whatever you want to talk about. I think the temptation for me at this point in my life is to try and kind of lord it over the young people and say, well, if you want to sustain a career and still be doing a podcast with Pete Holmes when you're 61, then what you got to do is get beat up in nightclubs in Glasgow. But really, I think the truth of it is 
I think they think about it. It seems to me, look, I'm not a young person and I don't hang out with them, but they, it seems to me what I know about it, they just think the same as, as I did during punk rock. It's now. It's just now. Mm. So the idea of, of you know a sustained career or even living beyond the age of 30, which was something I didn't even think about, was uh, was not in my head. So in a way... Mm. I kind of, I quite like it because I feel it makes them bold. You know, mm. I, I think it makes them bold and, and experimental. I, you know, the, there's a lot of talk amongst older comics about, yeah, well, if you can do five minutes on TikTok, it doesn't mean you can do, mm. you know, an hour and a half in the Enormo Dome. And I go, well, that that's true. <laughs> but, you know, but I, I can't do 30 seconds on TikTok either. I mean, right. I, I you know, so this is such a pleasure. I'm loving. I'm loving you today. There's oh. just such richness, and and you don't even. We don't even have to talk about it. But I'm watching you be. You've. It's like a humbling. You were humble last time I talked to you, but it's like there's a richness to the humility and like the. You're not being presumptuous. You're not being arrogant. And and my question was like, hey, do you want to like wag your wag your fist at the young people? And you're like, nah. And I fucking love that answer. <laughs> you know how this, many sixty one year olds would love for me to open oh, the door and go go in there and tell the young people what they should be doing? And you're like, how the fuck should I know? And I'm like, you've humbled me. What, what the fuck am I doing? Going like, ah, yeah, sure, you can blow up on TikTok, but you gotta earn it on the cruise market. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. You're, yeah, you're I mean, right. it, it kind of like the way I. I think about it is there are there was a band in the 1980s that I really that made some lovely pop songs. They were called Haircut 100, <laughs> and they did a a couple of lovely pop, Fantastic Day and Love Plus One, and they were just like silly pop songs, and they yeah. had nice little melodies. And I remember people at the time going, "Ah, oh, this will never last." And and you're right, it didn't. But does it have to, you know, does it, mm. does everything have to be, you know, does everything have to last for a long time to, to be valid? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it kind of, it, I think that there is a, a temptation and it's something that I find myself res, trying to resist is that you get older, that the young people are, you know, stupid or not as good as they were, or and I don't know if I believe any of that. I think mm. that you know, I have this bit in the act, but it's not my bit, so I'm going to tell you it because <laughs> it's a quote from a a David Bowie song that I use in the act when I'm talking about young people, and uh, and it the quote is this: it's from the song when he sings, and these children that you spit on as they try to change their world, they're immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. ch ch ch, -ch changes mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's kind of, that's from the 1970s, mm. from a guy that was messing with gender, that was messing with music, that was messing with everything, that was blowing up, that he was making everybody angry and everybody was mad at him because... Because what the hell? But mm. you know what? He was an artist and he was finding his way. And I think that young yeah. artists are finding their way. And some some of them really are artists and some of them are, are Haircut 100. And time will tell. And it doesn't really matter. Haircut it, 100 it, are still good. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing wisdom too, in that you remember you're, you're actively remembering, which is very touching what it's like to be young. And you know, you just saw my daughter, she's going to be five this month. And I spend a lot of my time remembering what it's like when you're with these giants, these fucking giants and, and a look, look, my parents did the best they did. We're way more sensitive than they are just because we can afford to be, you know what I mean? They grew up in tougher times. And now I know there's you got to be careful the looks you give, the pause, all that stuff, because these were fucking it's a weird trip they're on. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird dream yeah. they're it, having. It is odd. I, I, you know, my youngest is now 13 years old. And wow. um, I, you know, I kind of I've always been and I know you have been fascinated by you know, philosophy and theology and the history of, like a lot of comedians are, I think. A lot of people who who work in comedy are fascinated by the human condition and Mm. how other people have looked at it from, you know, the Upanishads to Wittgenstein. I mean, it's, it's like, and you look at it, and what I look mostly, what I seem to take away from the study, an informal but detailed study of philosophy, is most of them didn't have kids. (laughs) <laughs> i did not see that coming i'm telling you it, it's like so funny a lot of them did so you know you can prove it. like bertrand russell had about 48 kids so i mean it, look it's not an absolute rule but a lot of them were like well of course you can say that you know yeah. because yeah. you've never had kids but you know it's like yeah sure nietzsche you can say that but you know <laughs> And I mean, I don't look, no one's going to take it as as a university course, my take on philosophy that, you know, it will be altered when you procreate. But mine was, you know, I never experienced love in the sense that I experienced it after my first child was born once once. That is just for me. I don't know if it's that way for everybody because I'm not everybody. I'm me. But the but oh, and see that's what again. happens. They turn up, and so you know, know, like your daughter's coming in and she's doing your part. Would you allow any I other? Hear you. Yeah, I know, and I can hear you. Would you allow <laughs> anyone else in your life to do what she's doing right now? <laughs> no, no. Well, there you go. That's it. Well, there is a, a an experiment in absolute unconditional, like. I've apologized to my daughter for choking me. That which I which is something I talk about on stage. Leela, um, real quick, where is mama? <laughs> Why she I you know, Dada has to work one hour a day. <laughs> and that'll break your heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. Because talk about the now. She's just now. She has no, yeah. she's punk rock. She has no sense of like and i don't i almost hate that i teach her i pick her up from school and i go what was your favorite part of school who did you see i'm trying to teach her to obsessively uh, obsessively reference the past and compare it to the future which is a horrible lesson but you you have to do it in our society you have to recognize like learn what the days of the week are and all that stuff that's like what the game we're playing but right now her whole world is whether or not I can be in the office. And she's right. Cut to me studying Eckhart Tolle or whatever it might be, trying to be more like her and just be like, 
It's just this. It's the infinite potential of this. Let's just be here. Let's be here. What do you mean later? What are you talking about? You know, if not now, when? That old thing. Yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, there's also this balance, you know. I mean, it's not, it's not, you can't, you can't behave like a, what is she, five? She's Eight? gonna be five this month, yeah. Five. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> the knowing chuckle like of Greg Ferguson. Yeah. Pete, if you behave like a five-year-old, I would do your fucking podcast. Yeah, of course. So then, yeah, that's but, right. That's but right. when, but when you, but but your five-year-old behaving like a five-year-old is cool. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, that's that's kind of it. it kind of takes me back to you know, like young comedians or young artists, young performers, young musicians right now, they're behaving the way they should. Yeah. You know, that's right. Like if you're still, this is why like my stand up now, I'm not angry. I'm not angry in my stand up because, because what am I going to be angry about? Mm. You know, I mean, I get grumpy and I say things for comedic effect, but I'm not the rage filled monster I was when I was 25 because because I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah. that. How um, did you, you go ahead. No, that's, that's kind of it. I mean, I was you, gonna are where you are at the time. Yeah. And we can have compassion for that version of ourselves. I actually just, my friend, David Nickturn, who's a Buddhist teacher came and saw me do stand up in New York. And I didn't know I wanted this compliment, but he said, you're not angry. And I was, and he's a very in tune person. And it just melted me because I am up there. And sometimes I am for comedic effect going like, fuck this or, or that, or, or sure. being frustrated. But he was like, underneath it is a silly bean who who's just happy to be doing it and having fun. And I'm like, that's that's what I'm going for is the not angry. So I love totally. that you're on the same page. I'm not surprised. So speaking of joy and the new podcast, which is called your podcast. Joy. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. called Joy. I'm sorry, I didn't yeah. know if it was Greg Ferguson presents. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I guess you can say all that if you want. I I gave it a, a name because you know people that. Uh, people want you to have a name for it. Yeah. It, I just wanted to, you know, it seems to me I, I, like kind of the way I'm talking to you, it's this, it's a structureless conversation. The only thing that I, the reason I called it joy and the reason I wanted to make the conversations focus a little bit on joy is because I wanted ultimately the uh, each conversation to be, uh, Ariana's thread out of the uh, labyrinth. Do you know what mm, I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, or the the uh, Wittgenstein's uh, help the fly get out of the bottle. That's all it really is. You know, yeah. it's like, um, so that each conversation would somehow in some way maybe lead in that direction. And not all of them have done. Most Sometimes, you know, when it's been talking to friends, it's just been like, you know, talking smack about the old days. But but sometimes yeah. it, you know, like I I, uh, I did, I recorded one the other day with a lady called Julie Demarest, who's worked with uh, homeless people and, and, you know, and street addicts for the last 20 years. And you know what? It, the, you know, the, it went to some pretty dark places during the conversation. But ultimately, you know, it, it was about her, you mm. know, and that, that it's about who you're talking to. I guess that that's what it's about. And the reason I did it was because somebody asked me, like most shit, you know. Yep. That's so fun. I just watched a clip of Biggie Smalls and they were like, what was it like working with Michael Jackson? This isn't what you're saying, but Biggie goes, I don't I don't care. It was a, it was a check. I don't get blown away. It's just a person like me. <laughs> yeah. He's a human being and I, and they it was a job. And I was like, 
that is a type of honesty that is very attractive. I was like, thank that's you. Very, that's very baller. I'm no, I'm not yeah. quite that baller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you noticed a through line? I'd love to talk a little bit because I, on this podcast, I can get a little like, look, joy is fleeting. We should be looking for peace. We should be looking for equanimity, like a, a, a hum of just kind of like okayness and whatever. That being said, I'm also really interested in optimizing ourselves to stumble into that wonderful place called joy as much as possible. Have you uncovered some new things? Because I certainly have. I'd love to talk about it. I think that... I think that not everyone, not everyone thinks like you're a very deep thinker. And I always love talking to you because I think, honestly, if this were Athens, you wouldn't be a stand up comedian. If this was, <laughs> you know, if it was 500 years before, you know, before the common era in Athens, you'd be, you know, you'd be working with Plato and Socrates. You'd oh, be doing that's... that because, <laughs> yeah, just because that's, because that's how it. your mind works. And I think you are a product of your time. Not everyone thinks like that. You know, mm, thanks, um, and and I I'm kind of, but 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 a lot of people think quite deeply, and there was something that I began to get a whiff of it weirdly enough during late night, when I used to do this bit on the old late night show that I'd like I'd walk out I never had anything to do we never had any fucking money and you know it was all <laughs> fucking ramshackle bullshit so. <laughs> I would walk out and I would go, all right, just, uh, I'd grab a, somebody from the audience and I'd put them in front of the camera and I'd interrogate them for two minutes. Just like, who are you? Where are you from? And, you know, and I just like do a bit of improvised comedy with anybody. I didn't know them. I didn't, we didn't grill them. We didn't, I didn't yeah. have no some free interview. Yeah. yeah. It was just anybody. And nearly all, in fact, always there was something because, you know, because people are people, they're not audiences, they're people. You know, they're not they're not clicks, they're not they're not uh statistics, they're not I mean statistics are for fucking Stalinists, you know. You know, people are people, and the minute you start cracking them open by talking to them, like how many times have you been in a let's say a meeting of people who perhaps uh, are in recovery, right? And, and, you know, and this happened to me, this happens to me a lot. Like I'll, I'll get in a meeting and there's going to be somebody, I see the person who's going to be talking, leading the meeting and I think, oh, fuck, here we go. What the hell are we going to get? And 20 minutes into that person talking, they've broken my heart. I've empathized with them. Mm. I've, mm. They're, they, you know, I've, I've connected with them. And, and so I, I kind of, the older I get and the less I care about my career, the, and the less I care about, you know, the financial implications of saying anything you want, mm. then I find I connect more with people and I kind of love that. You know, I, it's, yeah. it's one of the few advantages of, of getting older. Actually, there's more than a few advantages of getting older. We should probably talk about that too, because there is this kind of idea perpetuated by people who are old, really, I suppose, that, you know, that it's, that it's ah, it's awful, but it's not really. No, it's kind of awesome. What's what's awful about it is that the the corporal the corporeal decline. The you know the your body not being able to do what it used to do, and that's fucking frustrating. But but other than that, it's kind of magical. And yeah. did you ever listen to um, uh, the Planet Suite by Holst? 
Gustav Holst, mm. you know, it's, it's a classical piece. It's, you know, a bunch of different uh, pieces of music. You'll recognize it like the war is da 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 da. That's Mars, the god of war. That piece is da 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 da. But he does pieces for all the planet. And for Saturn, the bringer of old age, it's a very ethereal, weird kind of spacey piece mm. in the middle of this classical. And you go, yeah, fuck it. Nailed it, Gustavo. Because <laughs> it, it, it's kind of weird and spacey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a, on my wrist, right under where I wear my watch, I have a tattoo of Saturn. Because mm. if ever I uh, forget to wear my watch, which is often, I, I look in to see what time it is, and it's Saturn. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it fucking is too. It's Saturn. It's well, this it's weird though. Yeah, we're not a, a culture that really. We, well, we two things we don't really value elders, and we don't really have a lot of elders. We have a lot of people that resist aging so much that they, like you, like you said, in why everything sucks. We we dye our hair and we do all these things to our faces and our bodies to deny it. Dude, when I'm at the airport and I see a guy in his like late 80s and he's dressed in like Under Armour and like, you know what I mean? He's got like fresh Keds on, or not Keds, like some fucking Skechers or whatever. I, I go like, I'm not saying it's about how you dress, but I don't like seeing that. No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> drawn. Remember Tuesdays with Maury? Like we're missing that. Yeah. Like it's okay. And everything you said, I relate to at 44, taking myself less seriously, caring less about the things I cared about so much. I have a joke in my act where I go, the difference between 30s and 40s is when I'm watching TV in my 30s, if I missed something someone said in a TV show, I would rewind it. And in my 40s, I go, what could it have been? Like, I just <laughs> let it go. Because, and that seems like just kind of like a light joke, but it's really, that's one of the wonderful things. Like, I thought it was funny that I have this joke about my mom calls Celine Dion, Salon Dijon, and I like tease her. But I'm also like, I'm starting to do that. Like, I don't know who so many people are. And I can't tell you what a relief it is when people are like, yeah. you don't know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you don't know what I'm doing with that real estate that I cleared it out and I'm able to have my mind be quiet. I'm not even talking about meditation. I'm talking about sitting and having an Arnold Palmer and just kind of like smiling to myself. And that is a gift. I don't give a fuck what somebody said on a show. It's like, it's just not important to me. You know why? Cause I've seen so many shows. What's going to happen. He's going to learn about himself. Is it all going to come together in the end? Or maybe it won't. <laughs> maybe it'll be like breaking bad and it all goes sideways. Fuck off. I've seen it all. It's okay. Yeah, I think I think that's all true. I think that the the little uh, time bomb in that is that it can lead you to think nothing matters, mm. and and for me that I've certainly that's a danger. That's the shadow, the shadow energy in it. That's and right. I think that the the what the gift that. Uh, that my children have given me is that it no matter what something really fucking matters every fucking day all the time mm. and and i'm very grateful and no you don't have to have kids to experience that obviously but that's how that's how it came to me mm -hmm. um and and they're and, alive they're alive because they're charged yeah right and and i and i, I that that kind of 
that's for me. I, I think that the great, the thing that, that kind of bothers me more than anyone else is if, is the idea of um, t- telling other people how they should think. It seems to me to be very sinister. And the idea, the first time I, I kind of, I kind of became slightly aware. I wasn't aware of it so much at the time, but have you ever had that, uh, like when you're you're in show business and you're doing well, and they somebody invites you to uh, the Capitol building, and you're going around and you meet a bunch of senators and congressmen and all that. Have you had that yet? I haven't had that. No. All right, it'll happen. And some, you know, <laughs> some somebody from somebody's office will invite you, and you go and you meet a bunch of senators and and uh, congressmen and people who you've seen making speeches at the UN and, and, or on CNN or Fox or whatever you watch. And, and, and I was, I, I was taken around and I was absolutely gobsmacked by the, uh, by, by the level of fucking nothingness that I was getting hit with. Like, like what the Gobsmacked fuck? by nothingness. Yes. Go. This is, it was like getting a tour of the fucking, the uh, Dunder Mifflin. Do you know mm. what I mean? It was mm. like, I, what the fuck? These are, this is nothing. There's nothing fucking special about these people. Nothing. Mm. Except that, you know, they, rah, 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 rah. but, you know, I've been in show business for a long time. I've seen a lot of, rah, rah, rah. I've done a lot right. of it myself. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, it kind of, I don't know. It, it just, it was one of the things that as, as life demystified, Hollywood did the same thing that when I was doing late night, you know, you have a guest every night, every night. And right. Some of them just like massively famous people, massively successful, massively talented. And I found that the, you know, mensch to douchebag ratio was about the same as the average Chipotle. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just the fucking same. It's just people. And some of them are great and some of them are fucking dicks. And and that's it. Just like a Chipotle. Just like a Chipotle. Some yes. people are really nice. Oh, that lady was nice. Wasn't she nice? Oh, yeah. Dick there. Look at him pushing through the line. That, you know, I mean, that's yeah. it. Wow. That is incredible. Going back one click, first of all, I'm so with you on demystifying and how that lightens us up, Congressman. Yeah. I met Bernie Sanders at Conan, and you're just like, it's a, it's a guy. It's a guy. It's a guy. And also with, with showbiz, obviously, you're just like, it's just a guy. It's just a guy. Yeah. And what, what Biggie said about uh, Michael Jackson. But to go back to what you said brilliantly about the shadow of what I'm saying, that like I don't care about who the hot YouTuber is or whatever, I'm with you. One of the things that I've uncovered for joy is having a bonsai tree. I don't mean literally. My act, I'm building a new hour right now. And I've just caught myself going like, why am I in a good mood? Like, you know what I mean? Like on a Tuesday, I don't have a show. It's not about anything in particular. And I'm just kind of like, oh, because I have a little, I have purpose. And I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about like, you're still doing stand-up. Having, hacking the system enough where you can know, I know, my act, ultimately, absolute truth is sort of like the same as everything. It's another grain of sand on the beach. But to me and my own narrative, my own like hero's journey, I'm like, this really matters. And 
You know, when you go, I, I went to an art fair. We were we were just in St. Louis and we walked around an art show. And I was like, what's funny about this? And when you see booth after booth after booth of, of paintings, you go, they all become sort of nothing. When really, if you took any one of these paintings and just that was your only painting, that's what human beings do. We pour meaning into stuff and this matters. And when I pour meaning into my act and let it matter and, and inform it with, Life is hard. I want to delight people. I want to smash it for them. I want to do this. So when I'm feeling listless or a little lost, it's often because I don't have a purpose. And the fuck of it is sometimes I have to make up that purpose. You know what I mean? Like I have to manufacture it. Would you talk about that? I think that's a pretty decent, you know, thing to do is to make up a purpose. I mean, the, it, it, the, the idea, I mean, I made a decision about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Um, I used to talk a little bit. I was never a very political comedian, but I used to talk a little bit about politics. Now, not much, but a little bit here and there. And I made a decision. It was actually after a conversation with uh, Jim Gaffigan. Because Jim, you know, you know Jim, he's, he's a guy. I mean, he's, yeah. but he made a stylistic choice to work a certain way in his act. Mm -hmm. And and I, I said, you never really do anything. He said, but it's a stylistic choice. It doesn't mean I don't think about it. It's just, a, it's a choice I made I swear as I worked with Jim the weekend because he was dirty. If you listen to his first three CDs, they're kind of hard yeah. to find, but they have swears. It's the same jokes. But he goes, instead of, I love bread, he goes, I fucking love bread. It's very New right. York. And I was working with him in Cleveland. I didn't mean to interrupt, but like he was having that conversation with his wife, Jeannie. It was like, he was like, I, I just got to go clean. I just got to do it. Like he was making the decision yeah, like this was, weekend. It was a, it was a stylistic yeah. choice. And, and I made a I made a choice, uh, not that choice. I mean, I I, I kind of clean it up a little bit. But, um, but I made a choice to not talk about anything that could move me into the political arena. Nothing. Mm. You know, everything had to be subjective, experiential, observational that was... You know, love, sex, death, and the weather. It would have to be those things, or you know, and it. it <laughs> Did you make that up? Love, sex, death, and the weather. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. That's those but are my the, topics. Yeah, but the but the the thing is about it that even there was a point there. Uh, I think it's probably on on the way now. But to not talk about politics mm. was seen as political. It was seen as a. It would be a right of center thing to do to right. not talk about politics and then i realized oh no, no that's not me that's doing that that's other people that are saying that about a decision that i made as an artist and and i think that you meaning that wasn't your that's not your interpretation that's someone else's interpretation all. and you can't control their interpretation you did it for this reason i, I do what i do and you know I tell you, it's funny, you talk about the art fair in St. Louis. I went to a very similar thing. I was doing a stand-up show in Pittsburgh about two weeks ago, and and I went to the Andy Warhol Museum, which yeah, is... Yeah, I've been there. It's fantastic. And, yeah. and you know, the for me, the most vivid and authentic Andy Warhol moment of, of the whole thing was the gift shop. Um, and... That's the most Andy Warhol thing I've ever, and I met Andy Warhol, and that's more Andy Warhol than Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> what, what made it so Andy Warhol? I don't, because it was so, well, do you want to buy it? Do you, what do you think? And it was, it was for sale and it was yes. kind of shameless, but also 
fucking wonderful. Mm. And, um, but I'm quite expensive and, mm-hmm. um, and, and delightful and made me feel good. And, this you know, is what shut I'm up hearing. and take my money, Andy. And it, it felt great. I've been hearing this throughout. This is this is perfect. This is where I feel like you are or what you've been giving us that I love so much is you're like, yeah, we could say what a fucking fuck you to Andy Warhol at the end. There's a gift shop. You know, there's that <laughs> doc that's called Exit Through the Gift Shop because it's yeah. like, because that's what art is, man. You know, we're smoking cigarettes and going like, it's all a business. It fucking sucks. And then it's also like, yeah, but they got an Andy Warhol bottle opener where it's, you know, like it's a Campbell's yeah, can of soup or whatever. The fridge whatever. magnets are fucking unbelievable. They're yeah, hilarious. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And by the way, you know, fucking, you know, Michelangelo was paid for doing the Sistine Chapel. You know, I mean, right, it's like right. nobody does it for nothing. What the fuck are you talking about? Right. You know, it, it's like. And so was Bob time- Dylan. Like those people that. You know, that are like, I I don't, he lies in interviews. I'm like, he's still doing the interview. (laughs) It's like, you wouldn't know him if he didn't play the game to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, it's funny. Here's an exact example of that. I was, I don't know when it was, but 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was, uh, the Sex Pistols got back together. And they were doing a reunion gig with the original lineup, Glenn Matlock, Paul Cook, Steve Jones, and, and John Lydon. And they were all, they were playing the Roxy on Sunset. And that's my era. That's where I came up. I came up through all of that stuff. Mm. So uh, Jonesy got in touch with me and said, and asked, would I go and introduce them. Now, this is a band that, you know, would I go and introduce them? At the, would I bring them on stage at the Roxy wow. for, the, uh, for the thing? And I couldn't do it because I was booked to do a T-Mobile corn. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Corporate gig. Oh. Out in, in, not even in Vegas, like just outside of Vegas. And I said, I, I'm booked to do this thing. I, I don't know if I can get out of it. And he went, Oh, it's all right. It's just what we're doing, isn't it? <laughs> it's just, just doing the same thing. Wow. I did not see that so coming. It's just what they're doing. Yeah. The Sex Pistols were also doing a T-Mobile corporate. They were also kind doing of. a T-Mobile corporate, <laughs> sort of. Sort yeah, of, kind of. Whatever, yeah. I This is, this is healing to me, too, because when I was young, I was so interested in that like and there's a shadow of nothing matters to this as well i'm going to acknowledge that but like fucking lighten up i think is what we're saying there's like a lighten yeah. up message here <laughs> yeah i mean look you 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 kind of funny enough it's a conversation i had with again jimmy kimmel mm. and we jimmy was asking me why i was quitting we had this conversation on the air um he was one he was in the last week of guests or something he said why are you quitting and i said look jimmy we're Here's the thing. It, it's like there are two dates, you know, and there's a line between them. And we are the line. Right? Mm. That's it. You're the line between the two dates. And I'm not going to use up my line talking to fucking celebrities. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know. I'm not Even though no one, see, this is the thing. You're supposed to be like an American corporation. Build over anything. Tear mm-hmm. down rainforest, whatever you need to do. As long as you're building, you're a hero. And I, I'm a sucker too. I'll watch any documentary or any movie about a corporation because I, I, I like them. I think they're interesting stories. But when someone like you says, I'm quitting because of my line between the birth and the death on my grave, 
it almost doesn't compute because it's like, but don't they give you lots of money? Sure. But but no one says, what are you going to do with the money? We're not, that's the elder deficit. Someone that goes, but what is the money for? Val and I say it all the time. We go, good life when? I, don't get me started. I know comedians that make millions and they're busting their ass. I mean, per gig, busting mm -hmm. their ass, always touring. And I'm just sort of like, look, that that's their choice. I can't know another person's heart. I'm just saying like, what's the fucking point? If you have $50 million from last year, why not take it easy? <laughs> or I, I don't just mean kick up and, you know, rest on the beach. I mean, walk in an apple orchard barefoot with your fucking wife or whatever the goddamn thing is that'll make you lit up. But no one is wisp. We don't have an angel on the other ear going like, you realize you're going to explode one day and everyone's that's get that is getting rich on your back doesn't give a fuck. You're just a, you're just like a, a show pony. So you need to opt out. Sorry, you've touched a passion topic for me. I'm all worked no, no, up. I think it, I think it's, you know, it's quite right. I mean, what are you, you 44? 44. Yeah. So I had been doing late night two years when I was 44. Wow. And, and uh, look, it, it's not like not everybody's at the same stage all the time. But I do remember I was beginning to think that like you're, you're kind of ahead of me. But mm. I was beginning to think, what the fuck with this? And, <laughs> and, because my whole thing was, you know, I came up uh, during punk rock. So. You'll never get me wearing a suit and sitting behind a desk. And wow, you did and lean. Did, not you only did I do it, I fucking <laughs> did it every night on TV. You know, yeah. yeah. And uh, mm. and at a certain point, you know, it's uh, Aussie man diets. You know, I mean, it's like you know, it, or it's the the slave that used to talk to whatever Roman general was getting the triumph through Rome. Every 15 minutes, one. they have to... Oh, you don't know that? No. Whenever a Roman uh, war hero or general like Caesar or Pompey or something like that got a triumph, you know, they'd lead them through Rome. Everybody had the day off. They would have a ticker tape parade. They'd have elephants and, you know, everywhere. And it's like, hey, oh, Pompey is the greatest or Caesar is the greatest. Whatever. It was a big thing. Mm. And every 15 minutes, there was a slave that had to stand next to them and say, you are but a mortal man and this is fleeting. Whoa, that was part of the triumph. I'm sure those slaves I up am... and it wasn't a job that anyone would want, but yeah, that's what you that's what you that was part of the triumph. You wow. are a mortal man, you are mortal, and this is fleeting. And chills, you know, it's it's uh, I've been listening recently to a series of lectures on the uh, there's a guy called Bob Breyer, he's a great Egyptologist, and he did a great series of lectures about. Uh, the pharaohs. And he's a great guy. He talks like this. You know, he's one of those guys. Talks fast, tells you all about it. So you almost <laughs> There's a pharaoh over here. He's eating pastrami. Don't fucking, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I mean, you, you almost want to buy a pharaoh by the time he's told you about it. He's like, oh, this sounds great. I'll, I'll, take, I'll, take, I'll take one. Like a timeshare. <laughs> but he, um, but Bob Breyer did this. Uh, he was talking about Ramses II. Ramses II lived to be in his mid 80s, which during ancient Egypt was crazy. And yeah, uh, you know, this, and he goes into the guy's life and he talks to him like, like about a human being. Now, this was a god, 
you know, not only was part of the the thing, you know, of being the Pharaoh was you were a god, like you are a god, you are a god, but also he lived so long that most Egyptians that were living at that time thought he, I mean, he lived, he's been living forever. Right. And he goes into, you know, the Ramses' his last years with his dental problems that they figured out what he'd have and the agony that he was in and the, you know, and what happened in his personal life, which was pretty rough. And suddenly you go, it doesn't, and that was, Ramses II was the inspiration for Shelley's uh, Ozymandias is how I say it, Ozymandias, I think is how he says it. Mm. But, you know, gaze upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. You know, mm. it's like, it's now. You know, the, and and so that's why I think it, it's okay to be sanguine about what young people are doing because it's their turn. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and, and also to be, when I was young, I made a mistake that I think many young people make is that I thought it was permanent. And, and, and I also had a contempt, not a huge contempt, but a kind of punk rock contempt for those who were older than me, 10, 15, 20, and more years older than me because they didn't know shit. Mm. And I was wrong. And, and I, don't, I don't mind that I was wrong. And I don't mind now that some kids get me wrong too. I don't mind that they get me wrong. That's okay. Right. It's it's the season. Yeah. It's the it's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, you can you can get me. You can think I'm full of shit. That's okay. I maybe I am. I don't think I am. Right. You know, but maybe I am. And I say you know what it probably, is. I, I probably am to you, but it's the gift shop at Andy Warhol. It's it's owning what's happening. Meaning, I've heard that the reason why teenagers, uh, you have a thirteen year old, rebel is because they start recognizing what happened, meaning they were indoctrinated into a system. You and I are so deep in that system that we don't even see it anymore, but the system is functional. That's the that's the gift shop. So we can either be mad at the gift shop or go like, yeah, I know it's bull. There, there is bullshit. We call this Monday. We call this 10, 23 a.m. That's all bullshit. We call these pants. We call this breakfast. It's all fucking nonsense. We call this a man. We call this a woman. We call this America. We call this earth. We call this the Milky Way fucking nonsense and kids are naked and free and eternal and and unbound and we slowly wrap them in that story we make them agree to all of these things lovingly so they they can function in that world and then around 13 they get wise to it and they dye their hair purple just like i did and say fuck off and i got really into punk rock too and i was like this sucks what the fuck happened but then when you're older you go it's the andy warhol museum gift shop you can either be mad at it or you can be tickled pink that it's so Warhol, and I've met Andy Warhol. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you're just oh, Andy. Andy would have loved it. He would have <laughs> loved the gift shop. Uh, Do you see the comparison? It's like owning. Yeah, you were indoctrinated into a thing. Yeah. yeah, there's some bullshit happening, but we're using it as a vehicle to achieve a deeper truth and 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 a little bit of peace and a little bit of wisdom. You know, it it doesn't seem so bad. If you if you can create a bit of art that makes people feel something, or if you can if you can stand on a stage in a in a room and and make people forget about the ship for a little while, or you know, when I was young, uh, you know, I I was very keen that I was going to educate people <laughs> to my way of thinking. Yeah, and, and now I I don't see it that way at all. 
I, mm. I don't, you don't need to see it my way. You absolutely don't. And, and that's good because you probably won't. And, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, that there's a scene at the end of Shawshank Redemption that I love where Morgan Freeman, who's yeah, just such a gorgeous uh, presence. Mm. And uh, he has that scene where, the, you know, throughout the entire movie, they've been, he's been trying to get parole and he's been asking for parole. And oh, yes. And yes. then at the end, when he says, you know what, I don't fucking care, you know, um, and of course he gets the parole. And I saw it on a pillow in the Andy Warhol gift shop, which is as soon as, you know, as soon as you want, as soon as you no longer want something, you can have it. Wow. <laughs> which is Andy. It you is know, true. Which is which is pop art is 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 I mean you know the fucking noise that people used to make about pop art mm. like a, a rage that society was about it was Beauty Babies Warhol or <laughs> Rothko or I mean I used to go on I mean I used to have the I was lucky enough to get quite friendly with Dennis Hopper when he was on the on Late Night Show and he was a big collector of modern art and I used to go on and on and on about how Rothko was a a fraud and a charlatan and stuff and. And he said, he said, yeah, yeah, we've all heard your, I, what you think about Rothko, and I don't agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> See? And yeah. he's older, he's older, and that's the perspective. He's and going like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't, that is bullshit, you know. And, and he was right, I was wrong, and it doesn't matter. Well, um, it's like, I think when we're young and in general, would rather be angry than not exist. I mean, because yeah, you're scared, because you're yeah. scared as well. A lot of the time when I was young, I was scared. And mm. anger, it makes you feel like like you got some, you know, like you, you like you've got some strength and you got some energy and you've got some purpose and you've got, you know, something to protect you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and I needed, I needed that. You know, I still get angry. Of course, I do. But I, but I don't have that kind of. Like your friend was talking about, I don't have that base layer anymore. I don't have that visceral. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you got to get curious about the different characters that are inside. And most, especially men, only get curious about the protector, which is, everybody knows I'm going to say, it's Jason Bourne. It's it's the tough guy. It's Iron Man. But like inside, there's uh, there's all these other characters. There's sadness. There's vulnerability. There's fear. And, okay, I'm going to, maybe this is forced, but Thomas Merton talked about when you're dying, you're, you're afraid because you have to do it alone. But the, the salve for that is to get curious about that loneliness. Get in, go inside of it. Don't run away from it, but get really deep into it. And this is going to sound maybe woo-woo or spiritual or whatever, but it's like, and you recognize that that thing that you are is actually interconnected to everything. It is everything. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we yeah. don't have to be afraid to move past the bodyguard. We can say to him, thank you. Yeah, I'm so, are you fucking crazy? My anger and my protector, my righteousness, my opinions, that stuff was so powerful. And as we start to soften, especially with the help of my wife and good friends and therapy, they go like, isn't there something in there that's this or this or this? And they're welcome at the table too. And that's what peace is. You know, you know, you have to, I love this. You know what you have to do is, are you familiar with a, a British academic by the name of Brian Cox? Yeah. I've heard, uh, maybe someone has mentioned him before, Brian Cox. 
Brian Cox is a is a lecturer either at Oxford or Cambridge, one of the big fancy ones in Britain. He's not the actor Brian Cox, who's also a lovely man, but but Brian, I don't know Brian Cox, the academic, but he made some programs and some uh, some things for British television that really got my attention. And I think you would love. And mm. he did one uh, about he's. I mean, he's a. I think he's an astrophysicist. He's certainly a you know a, a you know a very big timey mathematician physicist mm-hmm. type. And he was talking about the space-time theory, and he explained it in such a beautiful way in a show called Somewhere in Space-Time. Somewhere in Space-Time. On uh, British television. I think it was the BBC. And he talks about everything existing all the time. Mm. Uh, And that we travel through it using memory. Mm -hmm. And he talked about his father. And he said it gives him comfort knowing that back there, somewhere in space-time, his father is still there, mm-hmm. still doing that. Mm-hmm. And the idea of, of that, which is interesting because it's, it's hit on from another angle, C.S. Lewis talks about it, and uh, I think it's mere Christianity when he talks about the idea of the virgin birth which, you know, is the controversial, is very, I mean, obviously very controversial, but the, uh, but talking about it as something that was connected to the everything happening all the time. Yes. And also, I think it was uh, G.K. Chesterton talking about why is evolution not a miracle because it takes millions of years because in the, in space time, that's nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. Yep. It's like it happened like that. It's just because we live so quickly that it seems like such a long time. It's not right. So that's a um, relative relationship to that. Yeah, oh, it so, took millions of years, so it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're, we're a couple of uh, baggy pants comedians talking about relativity uh, in space and time, which is just yeah, what podcasts are all about. It right? is. If we get a little self-important about how great comedy is, <laughs> we'll, we'll have hit. A, we'll tick every box. But it's true. And, and, you know, it's funny, David Nickturn, who came and saw me in New York, he came up again. He was on the show just this last week. He says, when you sit with gurus, a lot of them won't say anything except this. Is he's like, yeah. and that's their way of trying to communicate that it's all, it's all happening in the same instant. And we experience it like, a, I always picture a big marble and there's a very fine drill going through the marble, almost like how they got the mosquito in Jurassic Park. That's probably where I got right. that image. But we're just drilling through. And that's a gift because it's overwhelming to have it just, ah! but Thich Nhat Hanh teaches the same, he's not as lofty as we're being, but he's he's sort of saying like, look, it's all happening at the same time, which means you can walk in the garden and ask anyone to walk with you because where where else could they be? It's all happening. Again, this is the bullshit. We call it the moment. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Eckhart Tolle goes, go back before people and ask an eagle what time it is. Like, it's a fucking joke. It's a joke. Or give a goldfish a birth certificate. Now it's not so funny that he died. You know what I mean? Like, now it's like it's that old SNL sketch. Name the, the lobster. Now you don't want to eat it. It's like, it's all this meaning and, and trying to make that drill going through the all of it a little bit more tolerable, which I'm all for. I'm I'm one of the people trying to label and help make it oh, a little yeah, more I'm, tolerable too. I'm all for meaning. Uh, yes. Mean, meaning is okay. But then to quote David Nickturn, absolute truth can be used as a seasoning, relative truth. 
I want you to feel better today having talked with me than you did before. I want, and I feel better having talked to you. So that's relative truth. And we can sprinkle it with a little absolute truth and go, it's somewhere in space time. My dad is 29 eating an egg cream. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, and that's okay. Yeah, I'll ask, yeah. ask people that have near-death experiences. They'll tell you nothing's, nothing's really happening. It's, it's just, it's a, it's an, a perception. Roger Ebert's final words were, it's all an elaborate hoax. And he said it laughing. He was like, it's a hoax. And, and I've heard, I, I'm not crazy about the word hoax, but I've had experiences too, where I'm like, it's a booby trap. And that sounds bad too, but it's a booby trap to cause us to trip back into ourselves. I don't mean psychologically, uh, psychedelically trip. I mean, to trip and fall into ourselves because that's the game. My daughter's name is Leela. That means the play of God or the dance of the universe. It's just a dance. And and at, at the end, we go, it was a hoax. <laughs> we go backstage. We take it's our masks old, it's off. The old, uh, it's the old Bill Hicks line, isn't it? It's just a ride. Man. It's just a ride. That was hanging up in my office. It's just a ride. Just this a ride. is beautiful, man. I, I think we've hit it. You feel good? I, I tell you, it's such a great uh, time talking to you. It'd be nice to talk to you sometimes and not record it. I think that would be the most punk rock thing we could do. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Every word we say would be just like ashes flying up into the nothingness. Oh, I know. Pretty you imagine badass. the conversations that have been going on for millions of years that nobody knows about. Oh, my God. Whole cultures, civilizations. Yeah. This is the fascination with like Atlantis. Like, like ancient Egypt, we're still not even on one page on how advanced they were. It's fucking crazy. Oh, I'm not trying to get ancient aliens here. I'm just saying like, we have a guess. We can look at some rocks, but we don't know. We don't know. It's crazy. All right, Broham. The pod is called uh, Joy. People have Joy. to listen to it. And um, and I, I always, always, always enjoy talking with you. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks, man. And you say keep it crispy, and that's how we end. Well, keep it crispy. <laughs> I do wish it was one of those more fun Scottish phrases. Like, it so it, you sound pretty Western. <laughs> Keep it crispy. Yeah. <laughs> you go, thank you for giving me what I wanted. I wanted a Mike Myers hard Keep spot. it crispy. Oh, yeah. Shrek, farty donkey, Fiona. There you are. <laughs>